Hey folks, this is David opposing the Matrix. Hey, I'm back. Hey, I'm back. Um, a little explanation for what happened last night. Um, back in January of 2000, my wife and I were coming back from um, Florida visiting my mother, and um, we happened to be in the uh, O'Hare Airport um, when it broke that um, somebody had had COVID at the O'Hare Airport. Now. I'm not saying COVID's a virus. I don't believe it's a virus, but it's something, okay? <laughs> Basically a biological weapon, but it's something. And um, <clears throat> although the disease is nothing like the shot, <laughs> where it comes with lethality and, and, um, and things like that. But anyway, so we made our way home and um, <clears throat> got home about three or four days. And all of a sudden we got sick, pretty sick. And um, so we... <laughs> We battled through that and uh, surmised that we had, you know, the COVID, whatever it was. And and uh, so I went to, uh, we have Kaiser here for hospitalization. So I went there and um, they weren't, they basically wanted to prove me to prove to them that I had the, the illness. And I'm like, well, I've got all the symptoms. I don't know what to tell you. Okay. I'll give you that information. You you use your clinical knowledge to base base on that based on that what's going on, you know. And um, so anyway, uh, they wouldn't test me. They didn't have enough tests out at the time, the PCR tests or whatever the heck they are. And I'm kind of glad because those things aren't that good either. Um, they have their problems. <clears throat> so um, suffered with that, and then um, after that. I came down with long haulers and for quite a while actually <laughs> and um so i would go to work and I'd, you know i'd have a fever and i'd have to come home and you know and when you're working in a nursing setting that's the last place they want you to be when you're not feeling well especially what, what was they thought was going around and um so it turned out that after about oh let's see probably almost close to no over a year yeah, of uh, putting up with that, and I, I gotta, I gotta give them credit. They really did compensate me for being, <clears throat> for being ill. You know, they, every time they sent me home, they sent me home with pay and stuff like that, and and it was way past what, uh, what most people were getting when they got sent home. So, uh, to the credit of the state of Oregon, <laughs> you know, that happened, but. Um, so anyway, then they started with the mask garbage. You know, you will wear a mask. Well, I've we threw I flew through a cloud of um, chemtrails one time back in two thousand and eight. Never been the same since then. So my lung capacity has been weird to say the least. But uh, you know, I'm I'm alive and kicking. But anyway, so to wear that mask, just a regular mask, was really hard at work. And then he wanted me to wear one of those. Um, and M95 masses, masks, excuse me, masses. And I was like, no, I can't wear that. And they wanted to send me where, where all the infectious people were. And I'm like, that's it. I'm retiring. So I retire. Okay. So ever since then, uh, things have been weird. You know, we notice that we get sick a little easier than other people. I don't know. Maybe it's just our age. That could be too. You know, a lot of times when people get older, their immune system starts to wear down. So I'm going to attribute it to that. Okay. But um, it's um, one of the things that has really gotten to me is the tiredness. All of a sudden, man, all of a, you know, just it would be like I did six rounds with uh, Muhammad Ali. You know, I just 
I just have to go sit down and go to sleep. Well, that's what happened last night. I was falling asleep while I was talking on the radio. And, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure that nobody wanted that. You know, I didn't want it. So uh, I excused myself and, um, and, told, and said that we would finish up tonight, which is what we're doing. Okay. Um, this the subject of why does the why do the globalists hate Putin is it's pretty well quite evident you know it's uh you know he goes against their grain and if you go against their grain then you know they're they're going to do everything they can to get rid of you um, he doesn't really have a central bank per se like we do in the West um, and they were trying to force that on him and I don't think he went for that but um, then they. He was a good boy. He played along with the West, you know, he, he um, with the World Economic Forum. He was starting to really get interested in that. Then all of a sudden he saw the light and he got out of it. Um, it turns out that when he was um, when this whole vaccination thing started, let's just call it the jab. OK, because they had their own little jab over there it was called Sputnik. OK. And uh, I think it was very similar to what. Uh, what the West had with uh, Pfizer and Moderna and Johnson and Johnson and the other ones, although Johnson and Johnson and the other one is um, they're not mRNA vaccines, they're virus vector vaccines. But anyway, I digress. So hold on. <sighs> OK, got to get the breath back a little bit. Um, so. Uh, yeah, so he. He pretty well, you know, it went through Russia just like it did with, with us. You know, hey, you got to wear your mask. You got to do this. You got to do that. You got to um, you should get the vaccine. And they were starting to force it on people until. But, but Vladimir Putin didn't let his family take it. So that's a, there's a good indication right there that it wasn't a good thing. So um, and I kind of got him on the fence about how I feel about him with, concerning that, you know, hell, the rest of the people in the country can take it, but not your own family because, you know, it's going to hurt them. You know, so there's there's a ding mark right there. But, uh, you know, he's got very many um, plus marks in my book anyway. So um, so he told his family not to take it. And uh, and they didn't except for one daughter. You know, there's there's always one in a family, it seems like. Uh, thank God it hasn't happened here uh, right here in this household or next door. But um you know, it's uh, there's always seems to be one in a family that has, has to go against the rules, counter, counterman the orders and and everything else. And um, that daughter decided to go out and get fully vaccinated with the boosters and came down with uh, V AIDS, viral AIDS uh, or vaccine AIDS. Excuse me. I'm sorry. Um, so anyway, uh, after that, he, he's been on a, a mission. Uh, I always think of the Blues Brothers are on a mission from God. <laughs> But he um, he's been on a mission to, to um, obliterate the vaccine. He's uh, he's destroyed all the vaccine stores that, he, you know, he thinks he has anyway, all the ones he could find in Russia. And as a matter of fact, I think two or three of the doctors that helped put that together, he had them executed. See, that's what I like. They don't fool around. <laughs> you know, Take care of them. Now, if you're an innocent person and they do that to you, then that's that's not good. But. Um, you know, if, if we had that here with the Fauci's and everything else and uh, and all the other uh, creepy crawlies that are up in government uh, telling us what to do, uh, perhaps um, they wouldn't be up there telling us what to do. Right. So anyway, so that's one reason why Putin's um, going against it. Another one is he backed out of the uh, World Economic Forum. OK, 
Uh, he saw it for what it was and didn't want anything to do with it. So they don't like him for that. They don't like him because he's a nationalist for the Russians. He, like, he wants to preserve his people and his country. Gee, what a novel idea. There was the time in here in America when we did that. Uh, before we got uh, the uh, criminal families in there, like the Bushes and the Obamas and the... And the um, oh, let's see. Yeah, I guess the Bushes and the Obamas and uh, the Clintons, of course. Um, but uh, it seemed like back then, at least they had some semblance. You know, I'm not saying that they did, but they had some semblance of caring for the American people. So um, where do we go from here? So anyway, uh, that, that's another reason. And Putin is another one that he um, he's death. He, how do I say this? I know you. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm fixated on my beard. It's coming back in. And I'm really happy about that. Um, he supposedly has had some kind of um, epiphany when it comes to religion. Uh, and that religion being the uh, Eastern Orthodox, and um, it's it's like other religions, uh, mainstream religions. They have a formally god form of godliness, but they not, deny the power thereof, you know. And um, so he's he's really gotten wrapped up in the uh, Russian Orthodox Church again, which means that he has a maybe some semblance of faith that he's built into himself there, or has had built into himself, and um, so he. Uh, he looks at things kind of morally, uh, yeah, as morally as you can from a guy that just whacked three scientists, you know. <laughs> but uh, but if you're doing it for for the sake of righteousness, then you know how wrong is it? But um, you know that's that that can go either way you know, on, on your um, moral and ethical compass, <laughs> okay? But um, so he um, he's deathly set against child pornography, child trafficking, um, human trafficking, um, all that stuff. And he has made it his, one of his missions to get rid of that in Russia, as well as um, some of the countries that are, uh, oh, what am I saying here? Some of the countries that are kidnapping Russian children and selling them into the sex slave trade. And, um, so that's one another reason why he's in Ukraine right now, because that that was like the hub, you know, the, the central hub, I guess. That's what I understand anyway, where um, where if you were a sex trafficker, you went to Ukraine, you either drop kids off, pick them up or ship them there. One of the one of the three or four, you know, and um, and there was quite a market for him, actually. And uh, unfortunately, um, the market is uh, the market value for little children that are blonde-haired and blue eyes a lot higher than uh, than kids with brown hair and brown eyes. So, um, anyway, uh, so he's there fighting that. Another thing he's fighting, and I brought up on this radio show a number of times, and I'll bring it up again. Um, the West has moratoriums against um, biological labs. You might even have treaties with the Russians or other, other groups. Um, not to produce anything else uh, biological or or chemical and stuff like that and um, and try to make those things dwindle away to where they're not around anymore. Uh, however, in places where that's not the law, the West has been going in, the West meaning the United States proper, 
and some of the Western European countries have been going into Ukraine and setting up labs. And the last time I heard it, was there 38? 38 labs in Ukraine? Now, that's probably between chemical and biological and everything else, but it makes you wonder if uh, COVID came from Ukraine. Hmm? Yeah, maybe they're, maybe, um, they're fighting to make, make it so that we can't see that that's where it came from. So that's a hard one to, to try to figure out. So anyway, um, so last night when we left off, uh, oh, by the way, let me finish that story. Uh, so we're, we're pissed off at Putin, not we, but this government that we have, have enslaving us. Um, uh, they're, they're hot and heavy for, um, Zelensky and, uh, and against Putin. And, um, and it's just, uh, it's causing problems. It really is. And it's going to cause more problems before it's all over with. Um, so, so now you got the Russians that are going there trying to clean everything up and wipe everything up, you know, and then you got the Americans who are crying foul. Now, you'll agree with me. I'm pretty sure that when the government says, hey, you're scratching your head. I'm just using this as an example. You're scratching your head. You can look back and they'll all be scratching their heads. That's just the way they are. They like to blame people for what they're doing. And you know why they do that? Because they're so good at what they do. They're so good at breaking the law, subverting the law, and then making all these excuses and then all these plans, the wag the dogs, the false flags and everything else to make it look like they weren't involved. Okay. But then they go, but you're doing it. You're doing it. Bad you. You're doing it. And um, so everybody starts turning toward you and looking. And they're not looking back there where the real criminals are, where the real subverters are, where the real uh, traitors and insurrectionists are. Okay. All right. So that's it. So they're, they're over there and they're everywhere, except in Russia. And they're, and they're blaming the Russians or Putin for this and that, you know, you're a misogynist. Well, Who's the ones that are sleeping with all the women in Washington? You know, there's the senators, the congressmen, and all the powerful people, right? Um, you're dealing in child trafficking. Well, so are they, you know, or they are, not so are, they are. Um, oh, you're, you're, you're running drugs. You're running drugs into the United States. Well, so are you. <laughs> so are, the, so are the, the knuckleheads that are up in office. As a matter of fact, I think... Um, if you look in one of the reasons why the Bushes went into Afghanistan, the big poppy trade that's there, the heroin poppies, they grow them like, uh, like we grow tulips and roses, you know, and, uh, and then they sell them and then it's, it's processed into heroin and other drugs and, and then it comes over here. But you could look online, folks, and you can see or read or, or listen to or whatever people who were over in the military over there and they were stationed guarding opium fields. Why in the hell would you go out and guard an opium field unless you thought it was something important and expensive to you? Okay. So I'm not talking about the soldiers that were doing it. I'm talking about the people that gave them the orders to do it. You know, yeah, you, you go watch that field there and make sure nobody steals those poppies because when they're ripe, 
I'm taking them. I'm taking them, and I'm going to process them into some really good H, man. And I'm going to bring it right to the United States and put it on our shores. And, you know, oh, yeah, well, that C-130 over there, that's not carrying tanks. That's back to the States or soldiers back to the States. That's carrying heroin poppies or or um, or heroin liquid or whatever. Hashish, uh, all the different stuff that they grow over there. Uh, hashish is not grown. Sorry. It's a process. Uh, marijuana. Okay. Everything. Um, so... It's the ones that are always committing the crimes that accuse the, the good people of committing crimes so that you can't see what they're doing. They get everybody else's focus on you, right? So that the focus comes off of them. And then they're like the rats, you know, rats in the dark. They're, they're able to run around and do all the things that rats do and cockroaches do and everything else and, and all the vermin that lives um, in the dark. And... Uh, it's just a shame it really is but there's a day coming when that's not gonna that's not gonna happen anymore and, and uh, when the uh, king of kings and lord of lords comes back and and uh, he uh, institutes his um, his laws on the earth and and um, it starts uh, ruling with a rod of iron it says then things are going to get a lot better so unfortunately we have to wait for that there's going to be a terrible time on earth while that happens or before that happens before he comes back and um, but, um, you know, he who, he who, what's that scripture say? He who endures till the end will be saved. Okay. So anyway, I was starting to read some articles yesterday. And uh, there was an article by uh, Jeffrey uh, Weidlinger, uh, 3.30 of 22, uh, 8 o'clock p.m. It was uh, posted. What Zelensky gets wrong about the Holocaust in Europe, in Ukraine. And this is in the Detroit, Detroit Jewish News, okay? For those of you who are Jew haters, uh, you, you go ahead and rant and rave. I know you're going to do that. You do it anyway. Um, but uh, so we'll go ahead and and I'll, uh, I'll meander through this. I don't think it's very long. No, it's not very long. Last night it seemed like it was a thousand pages long. <laughs> it's not. Okay, so I've got a, a subtitle here. You don't need to distort Ukraine's history to make the case for intervention, writes an expert on the, re, on the region at the University of Michigan. In his March 20, 20th speech uh, to Israeli lawmakers, Ukrainian President Vladimir, Vladimir, is that funny how they have this almost the same name, first name, uh, Vladimir Zelensky invoked the Holocaust an, al an analogous to uh, what his country is currently experiencing. <laughs> He's got no idea. Um, I have the right to this parallel and this comparison, he said in a video address. But as a historian of the Holocaust in Ukraine, I know how problematic this comparison is. Zelensky, who played a history teacher on TV, should know better, too. <laughs> Isn't that typical? These are all these um, actors and stuff, they, they play a part and they think that they're that part. You know, it just cracks me up. I played a lawyer on Hill Street Blues, so I'm a lawyer. <laughs> um, I should use a more modern show. Law and Order? Okay. Um, can continue with the article. The war is horrific, and Russia's apparent deliberate targeting of civilians is abominable, if it's true. Um, but like most wars, this war is being fought over political control of a territory and the sovereignty of a people, unlike the Holocaust. It is an attempt to murder 
it is not an attempt to murder every single member of an ethnic, racial, or national group. In contrast to Zelensky's assertion, the threat is not the same. You think that a president of a country or a leader would know that, right? Unless he's lying. Look what they're doing. Look what they're doing. Okay. For example, I'm sorry. I'm I'm all. <laughs> I feel good, folks, and I just want to do this, man. It's like last night I couldn't, and now I'm coming back with a vengeance. Okay. Uh, for example, Zelensky could theoretically turn over the power of government to the Russian anointed puppet and allow his people to live as Ukrainian minority within an oppressed Russian state. It's not a good choice, but it's a choice. The Nazis provided no such options for the Jews of Europe. There was no choice that led to physical survival, no offer to surrender. And as a Jew, I have to say that you have to put in there Protestants in Germany and gypsies and a lot of other people too who were denied self-determination. Okay. Back to the article. Russian President Vladimir Putin, too, has invoked the Holocaust when justifying his invasion of Ukraine, claiming that it was his intention to denazify the country. That, too, is disingenuous. Ukraine is a free and democratic state with a government that was popularly elected and has, for the most part, protected all rights of all of its citizens. Unless you're a Russian, then you're pre-game. Okay, that was my ad lib, okay? I do that, folks. I'm reading this guy's article, but I'll always let you know when I do it, okay? Um, it's a little wonder, though, that the Holocaust has such uh, resonance over in Ukraine. Excuse me. Over one quarter of the Jewish victims of the Holocaust, approximately 1.5 million people were killed within the territory of what is now Ukraine. Millions of non-Jewish um, Ukrainians also perished under German occupation as prisoners of war, slave laborers, soldiers, partisans, and ordinary townsfolks and peasants. Zelensky is right that the war was a tragedy for Ukrainians, for Jews, for Europe, and for the world. Urging Israel to provide more military aid to Ukraine. Ah, oh, there it is. There it is, folks. We're suffering like you suffered, so help us. Urging Israel's that was my ad lib, by the way. Um, urging Israel to provide more military aid to Ukraine, Zelensky asked um, the people of Israel to make a choice, just as the Ukrainians made their choice 80 years ago, with uh, 2,673 Ukrainians recognized by Yad Vashem uh, for their efforts to save Jews. Zelensky can legitimately boast that righteous among the nations are among us as he did in his, in his speech. But this claim obscures the role that's far more Ukrainians, that far more Ukrainians played in collaborating with the Germans and facilitating the murder of their Jewish neighbors. Ooh, that was a long sentence. <laughs> the Germans knew that Ukraine would be fertile ground for their ex exterminationalist plan. As I show in my recent published book, uh, in the midst of the book's title, In the Midst of Civilized Europe, The Pogroms of 1918-1921 and the Onset of the Holocaust. Only 20 years earlier, Ukrainians opposing Bolshevik rule had murdered tens of thousands of their Jewish neighbors. The Jews and the Bolsheviks, they had falsely claimed, were one and the same. The, isn't that funny? Hey, they do that, folks. This is another op-ed here. Um, now it's uh, now it's the Jews are, uh, are are responsible for the Zionist state and and the New World Order and everything else. It's uh, no group has ever been picked out for more 
garbage that I've ever seen in my life. Okay. Um, where was I? To the Jewish neighbors, Jews and Bolshevik. Okay. The Nazis purposely revived the myth. They enticed Ukrainians to assist in murder as revenge for the crimes the Bolsheviks had inflicted in Ukraine. Mass arrests and executions, and most notably, forced grain requisitions. Yeah that had resulted in a famine killing 3.5 million people in 1932 to 1933. It goes to show you that the, um, the Depression was worldwide, right? Okay. A quick history. In Lviv, the first major city that the Germans captured in Ukraine, Ukrainian soldiers recruited from abroad with the false premise of German support for Ukrainian statehood, rounded up Jews and threw them into the crowds. They were, beating, they were beating up Jews, killing Jews, beating them to death on the streets, recalled one witness. German special units, with collaboration of Ukrainian auxiliary police and militia, killed between 2,000 and 5,000 Jews in the city in July of 1941. Similar scenes were repeated elsewhere. During the first month of the German invasion, between 12,000 and 35,000 Jews were killed in eastern Galicia and western uh, Volhynia, or excuse me, let's try this again. Volhynia, there we go. Two regions that the Soviet Union had taken from Poland in 1939. Many of these massacres were perpetrated by locals and some with, without even a German presence. The ones that did the shooting and the ones that did the arresting and the ones that carried out these atrocities were not Germans. They were the local Ukrainian police, recalled Simon Feldman of Boromel. As Germans moved further into further east in Ukraine, they intensified their massacres in hundreds of localities with the assistance of, assistance of local Ukrainian collaborators. They gathered Jewish men, women, and children, marched them to the outskirts of town, stripped them naked, and shot them in ravines or in trenches. Locals were then permitted to scavenge the clothing of the dead. The organization Yad Yahad in, uh, in Unum which has been mapping Holocaust and mass graves, has identified a thousand such sites in Ukraine. My God. The largest is Babinyar uh, in the suburbs of Kiev, where 33,000 Jews were killed in September 29th through 30th of 1941. Weeks before Babinyan, Babinyar, excuse me, 23,600 Jews were executed in the fortress town of uh, uh, Kamionets, uh, Podiski, uh, I have some ancestry from that part of the world, folks, so maybe that's why I can read this a little easier. I don't know. The, the genes are in deep. Okay, returning here. The, by January 1942, some 500,000 Jews had been killed in Ukraine. After an initial wave of killing during the German advance, the German military established some 250 ghettos in Ukraine and required Jews to wear armbands and stars. Ukrainian police enforced the regulations in contrast to the walled ghettos established in Poland. In Ukraine, ghettos tended to be more porous, uh, marked by barbed wire and sometimes only with signs. They were never intended to be permanent. By spring of 1942, most of the ghettos were liquidated and another 500,000 Jews were murdered. Because so many Jews were killed at a close range near their homes by conventional weapons, historians have turned to German, termed to German atrocities in Ukraine the Holocaust by bullets. 
Indeed, by the spring of 1942, before most of the death camps in Germany and German-occupied Poland began operating, nearly two-thirds of the Jews in territories now part of Ukraine had been exterminated. Addressing lawmakers around the world, Zelensky has repeatedly sought to invoke traumatic moments in each country's history, the London Blitz in his speech on the British Parliament, 9-11 and Pearl Harbor in his address to the U.S. Congress and Berlin Wall in his address to the German Bundestag. It's understandable that Zelensky is making use of whatever references, points he thinks that will help his country. It's also true that Jews like Zelensky, who grew up behind the Iron Curtain, didn't learn the history the same way that, or, or on the same timeline as Jews living in the rest of the world. And I am sympathetic to the idea expressed by Israeli leaders to rebuff criticism of Zelensky after his speech. We can all cut some slack in a world leader in such situations of life and death. So Zelensky's voice matters. And when he utters untruths about the Holocaust, it's important not to let them stand. Okay, there you go. So <laughs> it's, it's kind of like, um, it's, how can I address this? It'd be kind of like, um, see, each, each case is different. So it's kind of hard to make a, uh, a reference that makes one look like the other. You know, it's, um, you could say uh, Native Americans, you know, you feel bad for Native Americans. Well, yeah, it, it, rightfully so, you know. And what about um, blacks who were enslaved in this in the United States, in, in this country, you know, even before it was the United States? You know, you have to feel bad for that. And But what about the Jews that were enslaved in Egypt? You know, that, that's another thing right there. So... Every group has had its problems, okay, has had its maladies, has had its injustices perpetrated against them. And no one, you, you can't use one group's situation to make another group understand your situation. You can kind of a little bit, but not totally, okay? I mean, walking up and saying that Ukraine is like the Holocaust, that's, you know... And, and especially when when the Ukrainians have been murdering Russians, you know, um, Russian uh, people that are Russian descendants that live in eastern um, Ukraine have been murdering them um, for decades. And also um, they've been shelling for what he, somebody said eight years. They've been shelling Dubnitz, you know, trying to get the Russians to leave and then to go back to Russia, you know. That'd be like the uh, like the Native Americans uh, attacking uh, my, my, my all Italians and saying, no, "You guys need to go back where you came from." You know, <laughs> well, I came from New Jersey. I don't know where you came from, um, so you know you could have pulled that off with my great grandfather, you know, but not with me because I'm an indigenous person now. I have been for three generations now. My grandfather, my father, and I, you know, so trying to make a trying to prove a point by pointing out somebody else's hardships it doesn't work for me you know it does for a little while you know or a little bit but not really <laughs> okay all righty so where are we now all right another article are you folks awake i am wide awake tonight man this is great i didn't even have any coffee either i don't know what i'm gonna do here um there's a website called Strategic Culture Foundation. 
I don't know if they're left-leaning or right-leaning or what, but it seemed like a pretty good article. And um, I'm trying to find the name of the article. Oh, Zelensky toes the line on Nazism. Okay. It's, uh, <laughs> I probably wouldn't even have to read the stupid article. The, the, the um, title says it all, but it's... Uh, it proves not to be a long article, so let's uh, let's go ahead and go for it, and then we can have some talking points and stuff like that. And oh, it feels so good to be awake. Okay. Hey, you know, I want to take some time real quick before I go into this article, just to thank all you listeners. You know, you, you guys are awesome. You really are. I mean, since we started going live, our numbers have quadrupled. They have quadrupled, folks. And I'm still trying to find little areas where we can get more. You know, I can get more exposure so we can get more people listening and, and stuff like that. So if you've got friends, tell, tell them about the show, <clears throat> okay? Please. So there's this crazy knucklehead that gets on every Tuesday and Thursday and talks about all these things that nobody else wants to talk about. Um, or if you're a Christian, oh, yeah, come in. There's a, there's, a, there's a believer that gets online and, and he talks about stuff that they don't bring up in church, you know. And I can understand that, you know, you bring some of this stuff up in church, you're going to hurt feelings, of course. You've got to worry about everybody's feelings um, and uh, and stuff like that. So anyway, uh, yeah, so thank you so much and uh, really appreciate you folks. And um, I'm going to be setting up some kind of chat room pretty soon, okay? And because um, I, I want to be able to back and forth with you folks, okay? I want to do like half the show and then, talking points afterwards you know so many people do that and i really like that podcast so um i'll try to get that done real soon okay and um and we'll go from there so um another thing if so if you're interested and i hope you are brian our co-host has a show that he does on rumble it's uh i can't remember his username right now but his, his show's name is i'm awake are you so if you go to Rumble and look for that, or YouTube, he's got a YouTube site too. Um, but go and check out I'm Awake Are You. He talks about a lot of things. We talk a lot here about the world, um, about how the world is screwed up. Um, and, and we always try to mesh it in with Scripture. Okay, but Brian is more, whereas we approach Scripture from the world, I hate to say that, that doesn't sound good, does it? Um from what the world is doing, I should say, maybe, and, and proving that it goes anti-scripture. Um, he approaches things scripturally, and then, you know, so we kind of go from both ends toward the middle, so to speak. But Brian's a heck of a nice guy, folks, and uh, he would really appreciate your support. He really would. Not so much financially, because he's just doing pretty good, but uh, if you want to throw some money financially, hey, <laughs> uh, look at us. Up. I don't know if you've seen it, but over here, this mess over here is a computer that I've been trying to get back together. And because if, if you do shows like this, folks, you have to, you have to be able to look at what you're doing while you're working over here. In other words, I have to be able to look up stuff to talk about while I'm talking to you. And I haven't been able to do that. So I, I've got a broken computer and I don't know what I'm going to do about that. Um, so, you know, if I, if you see me going like this on my screen, that's what's going on, okay? Because I'm, I'm looking at what I'm talking about, looking at you, and then looking at what I'm trying to reference. Thank God I've got somebody bought me a while back. Uh, my wife did a 32-inch uh, uh, computer monitor. So uh, that was back when we were both working. 
<laughs> so I'm praying that this baby just holds on. Okay. All right. So let's get back to this article, the Strategic Culture Foundation. And um, if you want to go there, it's strategic-culture.org. Simple. All right. So the article's name is uh, Zelensky Toes the Line on Nationalism. It was written by Daniel Lazari. Spelled L-A-Z-A-R-E, or Lazara, maybe, I don't know. Um, Italians, we spell different names different ways. Um, yeah, probably Lazare. <clears throat> uh, it was written February 10th, 2020. It's an older article. Um, and a photo that's on their website is by uh, Flickr forward slash U.S. Embassy Kiev, or Kiev. Used to call it Kiev. Called it Kiev for 55 years, and now i got to start calling it Kiev. All right. <clears throat> okay, here's the article. It's hard not to feel sorry for Volodymyr Zelensky. He's the talented comedian who got himself elected president of the uh, of the Ukraine. I got to stop right here. We have a president that's serious and is a comedian. <laughs> I've never seen anybody fall upstairs so well as this guy, you know, as, as Biden. Um, help, I've fallen up and I can't get down. <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't know. Uh, I, I'm sorry. I, I digress. And what I've said, I can't take back. So, um, okay. Sorry not to feel sorry for Vladimir, uh, Vladimir Zelensky. He's a talented comedian who got himself elected president of Ukraine last April by being everything the incumbent, Pietro Poroshenko, was not. Where Poroshenko ran on the slogan of army, language, faith, isn't that a nice slogan, folks? Like Michael Savage says, was it faith, culture, and borders? Okay. Um, Zelensky is it? Let's see. Not Poroshenko rang under that slogan. Zelensky is a Jew who speaks better Russian than Ukrainian, and is notably cool to the war against the uh, yeah notably cool to the war against pro Moscow rebels in the east. He was the, uh, he was the unporshenko, which is why the Ukrainian the Ukraine's huddled masses, sick and tired of war, right wing nationalism, economic failure, and corruption, voted for him three to one. Since then, he's engaged in a high wire balancing act. I love these engaged in a high wire balancing act worthy of the flying Walendas. This guy's got a great sense of humor. Um, Beset on one side by a corrupt ugly arcs like um, Ihor Kolomoisky and ultra-right followers of Nazi collaborator Stefan Bandera. On the other, um, he is me he's meanwhile had to fend off Vladimir Putin, Donald Trump, and even Polish President Andrzej uh, Duda. The last wants very much to welcome Zelensky into the fold of resurgent East European nationalism, but only if he plays along. I don't think he likes to play along with other people. That's why he's alone in the sandbox. But other people are helping him now, so I don't know. Uh, well, it's just, uh, just what this means become apparent on J January 27 when Duda invited him to Warsaw to commemorate the 75th anniversary of the liberation of Auschwitz. The Polish president was boycotting the commemoration in Jerusalem because the Israelis invited Putin to give a speech without asking him as well. Don't you hate it when kids can't play together, folks? <laughs> so Duda invited his Ukrainian equivalent to an alternative ceremony 
that would send a message that was loudly anti-Russian and anti-Soviet. What the heck? The Soviets aren't even around anymore. That's... <laughs> That's like being divorced from your ex for 50 years and still slamming them, you know. Um, desperately, uh, who's this? Desperate for, I think it's supposed to be desperate for friends. Zelensky couldn't say no. It says desperately. Um, so he delivered a seven-minute talk on January 27th that nearly summed up the whole neo, the neo-Nazi apologetics that are now standard throughout what Joseph Pilutsky used to call the Intermarium, the thousand-mile anti-Russian front stretching from the Baltic to the Black Sea. The Holocaust tragedy forever left wounds in the hearts of every Ukrainian, he declared. We'll never forget that among the six million victims of the Shoah, every fourth was from Ukraine. We'll never forget the terrible crimes that happened in Babiyar, where Nazis executed more than 150,000 innocent people. Yes, we'll never forget, but the tragedy left such deep wounds in Ukraine. How, how is it that Bandera, whose followers were extraordinar extraordinarily active in slaughtering Jews and communists during, according to um, Nazi reports, was declared an official hero in Ukraine in 2010? As important, it is, as important it is to remember the mass executions that occurred outside of Kiev on uh, September 1941, why mention the Nazi... Why well, mention only the Nazi role? What about the Ukrainian auxiliary police who also took part? See, this is common knowledge, folks. Common knowledge that there were Ukrainian Nazis. They might not have called themselves Nazis, but they were Nazis. Okay, uh, they were doing the bidding of their of their friends. Okay, let me get back to this. Uh, when Anatoly Kuznetsov, Kuznetsov published his uh, acclaimed Bobby Yar, a document in the form of a novel in 1996, censors edited out all the references of, to Ukrainian collaborators so as to prove the myth of Soviet unity. Now Zelensky is doing the same thing to preserve the myth of Ukrainian unity. Ah, what they don't know won't hurt me. Okay. That was my ad lib, folks. Uh, we'll never forget Igor... Oh my goodness. Igor Bubberchenko, Bubberchenko, commander of a T-34 tank regiment who was the first to break through the gates of Auschwitz, he continued, or the soldiers of the, uh, the 100th Lviv Division who entered the camp under command of Anatoly Shapiro, a Jew uh, from Botlava, a region in the center of Ukraine, uh, who, together with fighters of the 322, uh, 322nd yeah, Division, of the first Ukrainian front liberated the camp. But Zelensky made no mention of the military force of which such units were a part, which is to say, the Red Army. It's rather like celebrating the role of the 29th Infantry Divisions at D-Day without mentioning the United States. There you go. Very good analogy. But the Soviet Union was the evil empire, you see, so its role in the liberation of Auschwitz has to be edited out as well. And so Zelensky did. But then, but then, <laughs> boy, there's some misspellings in this article. But then there came the moments he always, uh, his hosts were, had been waiting for. Okay. Well, ladies and gentlemen, he said, Poland and Polish people were the first who felt the consequences of the to totalitarian regime's criminal, criminal collusion. This 
caused the beginning of World War II and allowed the Nazis to launch the deadly flywheel of the Holocaust. Today, all the democratic states should unite in their efforts. Europe and the world have no right to keep silent as in 1939. Europe and the world have no right to indifference and inactivity. Only united efforts can stop my stop any aggression. Maybe that was a Freudian slip. Only united efforts can stop any aggression and save humanity from new sufferings. This was the image of Poland as the eternal victim of the Nazi-Soviet totalitarianism, uh, with the the accent family on the excuse me, with the accent family. Oh, okay. Okay, this was the image of Poland as the eternal victim of Nazi-Soviet totalitarianism with the ascent firmly on the second word as the source of all the horrors that would follow, including the Holocaust. Thanks for letting me back up on that one, folks. <laughs> all of which couldn't be more upside down. In fact, the flywheels did not even begin turning with the invasion of Poland on September 1st, 1939, but 11 months earlier with the dismemberment of Czechoslovakia. Not only did France and Britain agree on Hitler's right to slice up any country that got in his way, but Poland joined in the fun by carving off the Czech province known as Zielzy, that uh, it had long coveted. It was this astonishing act of collusion with Nazi aggression that caused Stalin to commence the negotiation with Berlin that would culminate in 1939 with the German-Soviet non-aggression pact. Since everyone else was collaborating, he figured that he might as well do so too. As reprehensible as this was, it had nothing to do with the Holocaust. Indeed, it was only after the Nazis broke the treaty by invading the headquarters of Judeo-Bolshevism. I hate that. The headquarters of Judeo-Bolshevism. Yeah, okay, whatever. Uh, in June of 1941, that the final solution went into motion. And even then, it was local fascists who led the way by unleashing a wave of anti-Jewish and anti-communist violence in Vilnius, to, uh, from Vilnius to Kiev, uh, that was so horrendous <clears throat> that at least one German field marshal complained Yet the anti-Semitic vitriol didn't cease for a minute. In the mid in mid 1942, the Polish Nationalist Underground issued a statement declaring, "Quote: Whether we like it or not, communism communism is attacking us. The extermination of the Jews in Europe by the Germans, which will be the final result of the German-Jewish war, represents, from our point of view, an undoubtedly favorable development, for it will weaken the explosive power of communism at the moment of the German collapse, or earlier. And that's quoted in uh, Reuben um, Einstein's uh, The Warsaw Ghetto Revolt, New York, 1979, page 50. Uh, like the Nazis, Polish nationalists were thus fighting a dual war against Jews and Bolsheviks. Okay. Um, I don't agree with all this, folks. Okay, I'm just reading what's here. Rather than lamenting, I, I, let me put it this way: I don't, I don't agree with it all where the Jews are concerned. I don't think that there's a conspiracy and, and all that garbage that people tend to believe in. Um, rather than lamenting the Holocaust, they were welcomed in. The, they welcome in. They welcome it in the interest of 
Juden Poland. Today, the same elements are once again in control in Warsaw. People who, with, with people who, with U.S. encouragement, blame the Soviets and Russians for all the ails, or all that ails them, and who seethe with ill-conceded or ill-concealed uh, anti-Semitism. Zelensky is playing with fire by cozying up to such people, especially now that right-wing nationalists are once again on the march at home. Right-wing nationalists. Um, in this vein, means the Nazi Party. Anywhere else in this country, it means patriots. <laughs> um, I don't get that, but there's a lot of things I don't understand, I guess, you know. Um, and I'm sure that there's people out there that would love to explain it to me. <laughs> uh, so anyway, folks, did we, um, <clears throat> did I play the video by Tucker Carlson last night? Um why don't we go ahead and play that, okay? Just to, we can recap, and then uh, anything else that we want to talk about or something we can, uh, or we, all the people in this room, right? Um, you know, I, I can uh, go ahead and address. So I really wish we had a chat room here. I really, really do. But um, you know, uh, before, I'll, I'll do this before I. I got to write down what I was going to talk about. It's funny. Um, okay, so here's the, the Tucker Carlson show the other night. So let's go ahead and watch that the other night, a while back. So in order to support Joe Biden's policy in Ukraine, you have to support what the government of Ukraine is doing with American tax dollars, including cracking down on faithful Christians within the borders of Ukraine. Zelensky is now closing churches belonging to the Ukrainian Orthodox Church. He says the country needs spiritual independence. So you have to ask yourself, he's literally shutting churches and arresting priests and nuns. This is happening on the Internet. You can see it if you want. So why aren't Christian leaders in the United States saying anything about this and instead endorsing it effectively, as Russell Moore and many others have? Megan Basham is a reporter with The Daily Wire. She joins us tonight. Megan, thanks so much for coming on. This seems like a big deal. I can't remember in my lifetime a European country closing churches and throwing Christians in jail at this scale. Why do no Christian leaders here notice it? Yeah, it's pretty surprising because when you look at the situation here, they are ejecting monks from an 11th century monastery. Um, there are saints buried beneath this church, and you don't see this type of behavior in liberal democracies. And no. so you think those who held Zelensky out as a particular hero who cheered him, who assured us this is someone that we need to support, that we need to throw our support behind as Christians, would now be questioning his particular actions. And we're not seeing that. Um, there's really been total silence as he has begun doing what can in many ways be called persecution of members of the Ukrainian Orthodox faith. So why is that silence there? Um, I would even point to the fact that we're not even seeing a lot of coverage of it from outlets like Christianity Today, which Russell Moore is the editor-in-chief of. And that's just some big questions that I have. How can you write so many essays about Trump, who hasn't been in office for three years now, but really say nothing about what is religious persecution? Possibly. Or Ukraine says they have found leaflets, but that's all that they're pointing to is um, they found some rubles and leaflets in these churches, not weapons, um, nothing, you know, particularly scary. So you have to wonder why the silence? Well, it's absolutely shameful. They're closing churches and arresting priests. 
and Christian leaders here say nothing about it, I think that's, I think it's genuinely shameful. And I appreciate your reporting on this subject. Megan, thank you so much. Good to see you. Thanks so much, Tucker. You know, they should have invited me on that show because I, right away, I came up with two different things. <laughs> two different things right away. Um, why aren't Christian churches saying something about this? Well, because <laughs> a lot of Christian churches, I'm not saying all of them, but a lot of Christian churches have the us for and no more attitude. Okay. Oh, where do I go with this? Okay, let's... Uh, the Catholics do not like the Protestants. The Catholics think that they're the chosen race, so to speak. The Protestants think that the Catholics are all heretics. And I'm not going to go one way or the other on that, okay? I have my own opinions, and I'm keeping them right here. Um, and then you have the mainstream Protestants that don't like the Pentecostals or the Baptists. They're too loose in their faith. You know, they're... No, you can't believe in the Bible alone. That's that's a fundamentalist. You can't be a fundamentalist and be a Christian, you know. I was told one time you can't be a Jew and be a Christian. You know, yeah, you can. <laughs> you can. Um, anyway, and then you have the Pentecostals and the Charismatics that call the Baptists the frozen chosen, okay, and the Baptists who think that Many who think that the Pentecostals are all a demonic cult because they're so free in their, their beliefs and stuff. And, you know, this is why the Christian church isn't speaking out. The uh, The Ukrainian church is a um, is an Orthodox church. If you know your church history, you had the, you had. Um, <sighs> boy, oh, boy, I want to say stuff so bad and I can't. Uh, I could, but I don't want to offend anybody. Um, there we go. I don't want to offend. Uh, so for the longest time, I'd say from like, since the time of Constantine, let's go that way, okay? Constantine made um, made the church, or what was known as the church, what was known as the liturgical church back then, he made it into the state religion. The state religion revolved into the Catholic church, the Roman Catholic church, let's put it that way, because Catholic means universal. Okay, I have a document. I went. I was baptized in, um, and confirmed in. Uh, it's a Methodist, I guess, or no Episcopalian, and um, it says that uh, the certificate says the Holy Catholic Church. It doesn't say the Holy Roman Catholic Church, but with that sect, it's the same thing anyway. Um, I'll go into that some other time, but um, so then you had. The Catholic Church, and then people started to see the corruption. Uh, Roman Catholic, excuse me. People started to see the corruption, and the people were have to buy indulgences in order to get saved. Uh, if you got on the bad side of the Pope, you were insulting God. You know. Uh, later on, you had to say three male Hail Marys and four Our Fathers, or else you were a believer. You had to confess stuff before priests instead of confessing it before God, which is what the Bible tells you to do. Um, you had to say that the Pope was um, the vicar of Christ, um, the second in command after Christ, Yeshua. Um, so then you had Martin Luther, who was a rabid anti-Semite, by the way. We ought to do a show on him some night, someday. Maybe when Brian's on, that would, that would be a really good show to do. But uh, Martin Luther wasn't the saint that everybody thought he was. He, he was a good man, don't get me wrong. He, he wanted to revive or reform the Catholic Church, the Roman Catholic Church. 
and uh, but he ended up just starting a new sect that was just kind of an offshoot of it. Unfortunately, it could have been something beautiful if they had to gone all the way, but they didn't. But you know, God has everything under control, and He's worked things out. So who am I to say what's right and wrong? But right. So anyway, um, let's see. We're going here. Okay. So then. Um, so oh yeah. Okay. So then. But before the Reformation, way before the Reformation, oh, what's my history? Um, what, what, there was the Holy Roman Empire, and then there was the Byzantine Empire, which was in Constantinople. Anyway, it was a breakaway from the Roman Catholic Church, okay? And that, that's what later became the Russian Eastern Orthodox Church, or the Eastern Orthodox, the Russian Orthodox, the Armenian Orthodox, the Syrian Orthodox, uh, you name it. Uh, that whole Eastern part of the old Roman Empire all became part of the Orthodox Church. Uh, as opposed to the Roman Catholic Church, and there were times when they fought each other, both both entities did, and um, there were times when they united with one another to fight off, you know, the marauding Muslims that were coming up, so to speak, and um, so there's an enmity between, not so much anymore, but there was for a long time, between the Eastern and Western churches, they call them, the Eastern Orthodox and the Roman Catholic. Um, so after a while, the Easterns started to um, wane in power, so to speak. And there's one time when it was a lot more powerful than the Roman Catholic Church in Rome. Um, but uh, it just, like everything else, it became corrupted and started to fall, fall apart and everything. And, but the remnants of that, um, that didn't fall apart, are those churches I named earlier. Okay? So, when you see, when, when you see Zelensky trying to get rid of the, the Ukrainian Orthodox Church. He doesn't see Ukrainian in front of that. He sees Russian because they're one and the same. Basically, they're just different eth ethnicities that have an Orthodox Church. The same with the Armenians. And, and you, I, I'm pretty sure I could be wrong in this. And if I am, let me know. But if you're Armenian Orthodox, you could participate in Russian Orthodox services. You could participate in... Um, Greek Orthodox, Syrian Orthodox, the whole nine yards, because they're, they're very much the same. It's not like in, in Western society where if you're a Protestant, you don't dare participate for, for reasons on both sides um, in, in one another's services. Okay. Although Catholics are a little more um, uh, friendlier to that idea because they, they think that they're the mother church and they can do whatever they want to. But most of the time, Roman Catholics will not go into a Protestant church and vice versa. But um, so anyway, when Zelensky's arresting the Orthodox priests and people over there, he's not arresting Orthodox. He's arresting what goes in front of Orthodox, which is Russian. OK, because they're one and the same. And you notice in the, in the um, little blurb that we watched there that uh, the, uh, the Armenians, Armenians, sorry, sorry, Armenia, I love Armenians. Um, the Ukrainians, I love our Ukrainians too, if they're good, decent people. Uh, that uh, when the authorities went in there, they found some leaflets with, uh, with the Russian writing on it, some rubles and stuff, a big deal, big deal. You know, I've got Canadian coins here in the house. Does that mean that I'm, <laughs> um, I'm patriotic because I, I have five or six Canadian pennies here? You know, it's... <laughs> It's stupid. It really is. And that's what happens when people run away with stuff like this. When they, when they go into hyper-vigilant mood and they're 
they're just crazy you know they're crazy they're nuts they're sugar um so that's that's one reason okay um let's see and the infighting okay so we talked about the infighting uh if everybody thinks they're better than the other people why why help them out <laughs> you know the enemy of my enemy is my friend you know that's i think that's an old muslim uh, phrase if i'm not mistaken but it's applicable here you know um yeah okay so you, know, you got people uh, this is hypothetical okay but maybe you have catholics sitting out there protestants sitting out there and you break that down you have your baptists and uh pentecostals and charismatics or, or crazy matics and um baptocostals which is what i am um oops i let it out uh let me explain that <laughs> I'm, I'm, ba I'm baptist because i believe in the inerrancy of the scripture and the rigidity and the not rigidity the um the wholesomeness of scripture the faithfulness of scripture and a pentecostal because i do believe that some of the gifts are valid for our time okay do not approach with the torches and pitchforks okay keep them at home all right so anyway if um just like now in, in protestant areas especially when it comes to the freer protestants like not the mainstream but the uh yeah the baptists to some degree the pentecostals the charismatics and stuff like that they'll every once in a while get together and fellowship with one another and everything else uh whereas that wouldn't happen with methodists going to a baptist church or vice versa and stuff like that because they would be sitting there judging each other while they're sitting there believe me it's real um and it's a shame it really is it is a shame because we're all children uh, especially christians i'm talking about our children of the living God were children of Yahweh. It's just like Jews are children of Yahweh. And um, we don't need to be doing this crap. But um, so if, if, let's just use an illustration right there. So if a Baptist will not go to a Methodist church or vice versa, you know, and this is just, okay, to make a point, um, then. If they needed help, one needed help the other one, would they necessarily help? Probably not. Because the Baptists would say, well, you have the uh, the United Methodist Church, the whole organization there to help you, blah, 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 blah. And if it was reversed, the Methodists would be saying, well, you got the Southern Baptist Convention or the Baptist Convention or the, you know, whatever to help you. So you don't need our help, you know. And, uh, and if they had to help, they probably wouldn't anyway. <laughs> so... Um, I just, I've been a believer for almost 45 years, folks. I've seen a lot of stuff, and it's, uh, believers are a mess. They really are. They're not hated by God or anything, but they, they, there's a lot of work that needs to be done before um, before things are better, if they ever do get better. Um, okay, so there, there's a, an answer to those, two answers to that question, you know? Why isn't the Western Church saying anything? Well... The enemy of my enemies is my friends. They would never call themselves enemies because they're good Christians and they shouldn't do that. We're all brothers, right? But no, they uh, they have a great deal of enemy em, em, enmity towards each other. Okay, so and we saw a lot about, uh, about what I read and the things that we uh, you probably read online and stuff like that. That um, that there's our bands of neo Nazis roaming all over Ukraine. 
Um, that's not a good thing because those kind of people usually attract uh, the nutsos that are in society. And um, when they attract the nutsos that are in society, they, uh, <clears throat> they keep attracting uh, deeper fringes of nutsos until you get a situation like Adolf Hitler and Goering and Hess and all the other ones. You know, each one of them was a little bit different, but they were all the same. Um, they had hatred right here, right here. Um, and I, if you're not watching this, I was pointing at my heart. Um, so, uh, so we got that going on there. We got the child trafficking going on there. Um, so the question, why does the, why does the WEF, the world economic forum and, and globalists in general, why do they hate Putin? Well, Putin hates what they're doing and he's trying to correct it. And the, right now, the way to correct it is to straighten out Ukraine. And, um, and that's, the West is going to let that happen uh, to the best of their ability. Anyway, I, I, I foresee that Russia maybe will conquer, um, you know, maybe this year, early next year. But um, I, the West isn't going to like it. But what it's doing is it's, it's throwing, um, it's throwing a pie in the face of all the, the, uh, the elites. And that's, that just tickles me to death. Uh, maybe that's a bad phrase to use, but uh you know, the, the fact that they they can't get the perfect control. Hey, you know, who's behind this ultimately? Who knows that it's not time for the New World Order to go into full gear? I mean, right at this this year, this month or whatever, you know, Yahweh, yod heh -Hey, he knows that the plans that he has. He said um, when he was talking with the, the Jews in ancient Israel, he said, um, I'm going to murder this scripture. I know I am. I know the plans I have for you, plans of peace and to prosper you. And there's a couple other things in there that I can't remember right now. But um, so he knows the plans he has for the good and the wicked. Okay. And he knows when this, this whole society is going to go down the drain. He knows because he's seen it. Imagine, if you will. Oh, I sound like Rod Serling. That was weird. Um, imagine, if you will, a being that is so infinite, so far outside of time and space, yet close. It's hard to imagine right there, right? Um, that he can see he's so far outside of this time bubble, this linear time that we have, that he can see he's sitting at the past, watching the future, sitting at the future, watching the past, and the whole timeline, and... So he know you know, I, for one, am partially a Calvinist, okay? Keep the torches. Do not bring the torches. Put them down. Okay. Um, in that, I believe that, yes, people are preordained, okay? Now, what does that mean? That to me, my understanding of that, when you're sitting at the end of time, as we know it, and you see everybody that's been saved, you know at the beginning, because you're sitting there too, you know who's going to be saved. Okay? So you could, you could say, it could be reasoned, that Yahweh sees the end from the beginning and the beginning of the end. Scripture says that. And that he can tell what the outcome is going to be because he's sitting there. But he at the beginning of time, he can say it because he's seen it, okay? 
or maybe this is a better illustration. He can say it because he sees it. It's hard to comprehend. It really is. It's it's super hard to comprehend how how Yahweh can see things and how we how we. That's why when people look at like the Book of Revelation, you know, everybody's got it on a linear, 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 linear. You know, it's like your birthday. You're you're born. You then you were one year old. You're two year old. You're three years old. What if you had the ability to sit before you were born and after you were born to watch your whole life? Okay. Thank God we don't have that ability because somewhere in the middle we'd end up trying to screw stuff up, trying to fix something, but we'd screw it up, right? Um, but um, it's it's totally bizarre. Now, one day um, when I lived down in California, I lived about about an hour away from San Francisco, just far enough to be away from the craziness, but close enough to be able to go there when I wanted to, right? And I would go there. They had really some really good electronic shops there. I used to like to go there and look at radios and stuff and, and cameras. And I bought cameras and radios there. Um, used to go down to Concord and then hop on the BART and take the BART over to uh, Powell Street and get off at Powell Street and go walk around everywhere. And I did that by myself. And a lot of times I brought people with me. But um, I was down on Market Street one day and I walked pretty far down on Market Street, almost to where it wasn't Market Street anymore. And it started going up in the neighborhoods and stuff. And um, I um, there was a television store or electronics store. And back then they used to have the old cathode ray televisions. Some of them were gigantic. Um, but and so they had like they had was it five to about maybe 20 different televisions, all different brands. And back then, there was maybe, um, with cable, there was maybe 20 different channels, okay? Well, each one of those TVs was tuned to a different channel. And I went, oh, this is kind of neat. So I was looking at it, and I was trying to concentrate on one and go to another one, you know, like this, going down to different, <laughs> couldn't do it. So um, anyway, I heard Yahweh talk to me. He said, he wanted to prove his awesomeness to me and his might and his everything else. And uh, he says, yeah, concentrate on that middle TV. I think it was the middle. And I concentrated on it, you know, and oh, yeah, he says, what do you see? I said, oh, I watch this guy. He's talking and stuff like that. And I can understand him. And stuff. Okay. Now I want you to look at the TV next to it. Look at them both at the same time. And I could pretty well understand what was going on between both of the television stations, you know, or, or televisions, so, so to speak. And, um, and he goes, now look at about five or six of them. And then I totally scrambled my brain. And uh, which is not hard to do. Uh, but I, um, I, I I told him, I said, I'm confused. I can't, I could do one, maybe two, but not three. And definitely not five or six, you know. And he says, he's not going to let you in on a little something. He says, I stare at, and back then, what was the population of the earth? Probably about 6.5 billion or something. Six billion. He says, I stare at six billion televisions all the time. I know what the, each one is doing, what all the programming is, and and I can interact with every television. He was using that as a um, metaphor. And and I that's when my brain really shut off. It was like, yeah, okay. And I just stood there for like, I don't know. I'm going to say 10 minutes. It was probably a lot less than that. And I was like, wow, this is totally amazing. I just can't comprehend how this works. You know, how, how he can do that. And, 
it's trying to understand the infinite mind of Yeshua, you know, and or Christ and or Messiah, and and it's not possible in this flesh. Someday we'll we'll have the mind of Christ all, totally, and we'll be able to understand that stuff. Um, but so when we try to put, try to limit Yahweh, or you could call him God if you want, um, to our understanding. Remember, remember, he said in Scripture, "Your ways are not my ways." My ways are not your ways. As far as the heavens is above the earth, so are my ways above your ways, you know? And it's so true. It is so true. And trying to limit him within time and space is ludicrous. It's, it's the stupidest thing anybody could ever do. So when we're looking at scriptures that have to deal with what we think is linear time, not necessarily. So is it possible? I'm, ask, I'm asking questions. I'm making a statement here. I'm asking questions. Is it possible that, like in Revelation, that the bowl judgments, the trumpet judgments, the um, all the judgments that happen, uh, we know that it's going to happen in a period of about seven years, and that half of that seven years is going to be relatively peaceful for the world, not for Christians, not for believers, but for the world. And the second part's going to be hell on earth for the world. And... Um, so much so that Yeshua said that if, 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 we're, if he didn't shorten time, that no flesh would be saved. That's pretty serious. Um, so does that mean Anthony Fauci is going to be injecting people? Uh, the, um, no, he's. I think he's dead. But um, anyway, so yeah, so the, the, to look at Scripture in that kind of framework uh, literally is uh, not good. It's not... So we have to, sometimes we have to change our perception of how we look at things. Okay, now, uh, you guys are going to go, yeah, Dave, you've said this a thousand times. But there's a scripture, and I think it's, without looking at it, I think it's in the 10th chapter of Revelation. And <clears throat> there's seven angels, and each one of them um, blows a trumpet, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's been a while since I read i got to go back and read that. Um, but when each one blows a trumpet, they call the trumpet judgments and something happens. And so you get to the sixth judge, uh, trumpet, the sixth angel blows his trumpet. And after that time, before the seventh angel blows his trumpet, and which incidentally signifies the mystery of God being revealed and solved. Um, and we can go into that some other time, I guess. But um, just prior to that, he says that the angel came down and made a proclamation that time would be no longer. And if you look up the, the Greek in that, time means is chronos. It means time. It's where you get chronograph, um, everything that's chronology, stuff like that, linear time, chronology. Um, so, so that's time. Now, the words, um, I can't remember how it goes, but the one word that's in there, um, actually means something that has existed has been changed and replaced by something else. So it's saying that time is going to be changed into something else. Think about that. Think about, he, he makes a statement that says that if he hadn't shortened time, that no flesh would survive. And he's also made other um, statements that... Um, I can't remember. There's another one. I can't remember where it is, but the addresses always get mixed up in my brain. But um, and imagine also that okay, so you have all these 
people if they are I'm, I'm starting to lead towards these people are going to be more um transhumanist and stuff like that and um, they're going to make deals with the devil so they can live longer and maybe have their consciousness transferred into a body and some of them, not everybody, but, uh, you know, and, and AI is going to play a big part in it because who who in their right mind, not saying that the people that are going to be in their right mind, but who in their right mind would lift the weapon towards the king of kings coming in the clouds of glory, you know, but a machine would, a computer would, thinking it could, it could defeat them, right? Um, so... <laughs> where I'm going with all this um, ah, I don't know the, the thought just totally left anyway um, it's going to be interesting we'll probably be watching from upstairs um, I don't think we're Brian and I you know he believes in a pre-trib rapture I believe in a mid-trib and we love each other we're brothers and stuff and um, you know it's not a contention between us and you know as far as i'm concerned if he's right then i'm happy if i think he thinks the same way but anyway um so the first seven years no three and a half years are going to be relatively peaceful but not for the church not for christians okay and then the second half is called jacob's trouble and that's when um literally all hell breaks loose on earth and uh, jews are going to be hunted down and killed and everything else and uh not going to be pretty, not a pretty sight at all, but it all turns out for good because we, we also often tend to forget that this life that we're living right now, this flesh that we can pinch our cheeks and you know, tweak our ears and, and everything else, the physical world is just a passing. Um, I, I quoted a scripture the other day online with Brian was on, um, that a man is like, um, he resembles the grass. The life of a man resembles the grass. He blossoms like a flower in the field. But then the wind blows and the bloom disappears and it leaves no trace on the ground. So this is a fleeting moment, okay? And we can't say that we're going to be alive for thousands of years or millions of years because that's not going to be applicable in eternity because there is no time in eternity. So... Um, I'm just, the more I talk about it, the more interested I, I get in it, and the more, should I say, anxious I am that I'm toward the end of my life. You know, I'm in my mid-60s now, and uh, Lord only knows how long that's going to last. And But um, a lot of people are afraid that when they die, there's nothing, or uh, that they're just going to turn into dust and cease to be. But that's not true. You're going to be somewhere. My hope is that you'd be up in heaven or on the new earth, new heaven and new earth with the rest of us. But uh, that's the choice that you can make. And I can't make that for you uh, if you haven't made that choice already. It is. And um, so it uh, there are interesting days coming, folks. Um, it sure appears that the uh, the new world order is, is going to raise its ugly head really soon. I mean, in a full blown new world order, um, it's it's going to challenge a lot of us to wonder how we've been living um to regret how we've been living i think in a lot of instances to it's going to cause a lot of us to wonder if we're going to be able to make it but you know what you're only going to be able to make it as far as you make it okay um but the the, the crux of the matter here is folks is that when all is said and done we have something waiting for us that's great. You're a lot better than this flesh. And if you're like me or even if you're younger, 
you've had health problems, most likely, um, or you're doing stuff to yourself that'll cause health problems in the future. Uh, or, you know, you, you get older, you get arthritis, you get um, little aches and pains you've never had before, and you either have to accept them as you're getting old or worry about them. <laughs> I'm not going to do the second one. But um, you get to the point where it's, it's like, okay, well, you know, <laughs> I, I've lived this life, I've run the race, like Paul said, you know, and, and now it's my time to go to glory. And that, that day will come for each one of us if we go to glory. If not, you're going to be deathly afraid of where you're going. And um, remember when Ralph was talking the other day, he was talking about um, famous words that people said before they died. We're talking about some evil people like Anton LaVey. Um, getting ready to pass uh, from this life to the next, and he goes, uh-oh, something's wrong. Okay? And then there was another one that he cited, and another one he cited that said the same thing. But um, what, what I find really interesting is there's a there's a debate that goes on within Christian realms of uh, once saved, always saved, or, or you can lose your salvation. And I don't think that's something God gives you, you can lose. Okay? And, and there's scriptures to back me up, but um, I, I think about, um, I forgot his name, little short comedian, used to cuss a lot, was a pastor prior to that, Sam, uh, Kinnison, Sam Kinnison, hey, brain cell fired, I <laughs> feel good, um, Sam Kinnison, before he, he became a comedian, and a pretty foul one at that, um, was a pastor. And, uh, of course, I, I believe that he was born again and he got saved, but he just walked away for a little while, you know, and uh, wanted to sow his wild oats. But um, for whatever reason, I don't know. A lot of times those things are brought about by a loved one dying or, you know, or feeling that God doesn't care for you, stuff like that. But um, so toward the end of his life or at the end of his life, he was involved in an auto accident. I think it was in Nevada. He was outside Las Vegas, I think. And um, he was with a friend, and uh, he was thrown from the car, if I remember the story correctly. And um, so his friend got out after the wreck and was holding him, you know, like, like you hold the dying person. And, and so, uh, so Sam, um, there's probably something I'm missing here, but the important part is Sam said, um, all of a sudden it said, but I don't want to die, you know, and and it, there was silence. And then he hears him say again, but I don't want to die. And then all of a sudden he says a peace came on his face that the, the guy that wrote this or told this said, if you didn't believe in God before that, you believed in him after. <laughs> he said a peace came on his face and he went, oh, okay. And then he died right there. I still get goosebumps when I hear that story but um, so he knew and you know what he he was probably one of the most vile people that there was when he was up on stage and you know cussing and making jokes about women's anatomy and stuff like that and guys anatomy and but um, but he was saved he was saved and he's he's in heaven I know that when I get there I'm gonna see Sam Kinison up there it's going to be the oddest thing to say, but, you know, I, I'm sure people will say that about me, too, when they see me up there, so. But, um, yeah, someday we're all going to be gathered up to our fathers, and uh, if our fathers are there, and uh, 
and that'll be a, a, a good time. But I didn't want to end on such a somber note, folks. But you know, the world's getting crazy. It's a crazier, I should say. It's it's nuts out there, and and we have to be ready because you know we can start. <laughs> you're only one breath away, you know, and and you got to be ready. And so, I would exhort you, uh, not extort. I know I'm from New Jersey, so I wouldn't extort you, but I exhort you, uh, which means to encourage you to uh, to think about it to. Maybe in the quietness when nobody's around and nobody thinks you're talking to yourself or, you know, or, or having a schizophrenic episode or something, um, because you're not, but um, that you, you know, you just reach out and you say, God, if you're real, show me, you know, it's all you got to do is, is, is do something that's unverifiably proof that you unverifiable proof that you are real. You know, and, and make it plain because sometimes he does that and it's not plain and we see it afterwards, but we see it. But it's, you know, sometimes it would be more advantageous if we saw it when it was earlier. But anyway, uh, yeah, just do that. You know, just, you know, if you're real, prove it to me. You know, uh, according to tradition, Abraham had to do that. You know, he uh, then he realized that the, the gods his father was worshiping or were just wooden stone. And, um, that he came to faith in the true God. And look what happened. He became the father of many nations. And it says that his offspring will, God said, Yahweh said, if you could number the sand of the sea or the um, dust on the earth and or the stars in the sky, then you would be able to number his descendants. Okay. So um, I have to take God for his, Yahweh for his word on that. And um, I trust him for that. So anyway, um, I'm going to get ready to close here. So folks, just, be honest with him he was honest with you when he was dying on the cross over 2,000 years ago he, he died for you and he died for me and yes we didn't ask him to but he did it anyway and um, no man oh, how's it go no man has a better love than he lays down his life for his friends that's a paraphrase um and he laid down his life and he we were, we were his friends before he even we even met him so there there's another eternal thing right so i'm gonna head off folks i'm glad i was awake for this show and uh i think that i needed to recoup and i think that uh the message would have been different last night had i gone on and it probably wasn't meant to be so hallelujah and praise the lord so may the lord little opposing the matrix things getting in my way um may the lord bless you and keep you may he make his face to rise upon you and be gracious unto you may he watch your going out and you're coming in you're rising up and you're lying down may he bring you the peace that passes all understanding and may he reveal himself to you whether you know him or not more than he's ever revealed before so for those of you that know him, may he re revive us to know him even better. And for those that don't know him, let them come to know him. In the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Folks, I'll be back on Thursday. And let me give you a little idea of what we're going to talk about then. Oh, <laughs> fight the urge to fly anywhere for a while, okay? Uh, pilots are dropping like athletes one article said um and i don't mean to 
to be disrespectful to pilots because they're really nice people and they're far far more intelligent than I could ever be. But um, you know, there is a real crisis going on, and I would would want you to be on a plane that crashed because some pilot decided, or I should say, didn't decide, but he was forced to take a shot against his will. So, okay, folks, see you on Thursday, seven o'clock sharp, and I'll be there at seven. Instead of 7.30, okay? All right, God bless you all.